the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Ogbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kuule Ogbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Friday. Hope it's a beautiful day for everybody so far. It is gorgeous weather outside, though. It's looking amazing. Nothing crazy again going out outside our windows today. So, But the show has just gotten started, so we will see what happens moving forward. All right, coming up on the show, uh, we will hear from University of Hawaii men's basketball player Tom Beatty from one of the media scrums that we did earlier this week. As everyone's aware, the men's and women's basketball teams had a bye yesterday. So nice long rest for both teams as they go through this final push uh, through the Big West Conference, but both are in action tomorrow. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, that coming up on the show. Uh, Also, last night, though, fun time with the HPU baseball squad. A shout out to Dane Fujinaka and his squad. It was quite the game for the Sharks. 14 to 5. Just welcoming Chaminade University into PacWest Conference play, which I thought was kind of a chuckle after my interview with Dane. Just how I asked him, how do you manage these games considering that this four game series, like two are PacWest games and two are non-conference games and you know obviously he's not going to share everything to with me but he's like there's definitely some gamemanship uh going on when it comes to managing these series and and you just want to go out and win every game but the sharks man improved to nine and one on the season continuing their amazing start the best start they've had since 2016 one and oh in pack west conference uh but the, both those teams are in action today again today's game though is a non-conference game out at patsy teaming central central oahu region Regional Park. If you guys wanted to check it out, it's at 6.15-ish tonight. It mainly depends on the sun. So if you guys have been out to where they play, the sun is in the backdrop and they have to wait for either enough clouds to be able to block the sun because it's right in the batter's eye area or it completely sets behind the Waianae Mountain Range. So yesterday's game started at approximately 6.20, I think was first pitch, uh, where it was set for 6.15. But Great game yesterday. Fun baseball. (laughs) Paul and I were joking yesterday like, oh, well, at least it kind of went long and there was a lot of hits. (laughs) 20 hits for the Sharks. So scoring 14 runs off of 20 hits, 12 hits for Chaminade. So they were still getting their bats going as well. Uh, Just on Chaminade's end, though, got to clean up uh, the baseball game a little bit. Had totaling six Errors. So it reminds me of what Coach Rich Hill talks about where just got to play clean baseball and make sure you limit all of those errors. So, But Chaminade, they do have good players. And I think these are the kind of things, the growing pains that you will see with the Silver Swords for now. But uh, Chad Konishi is an amazing coach. And I can imagine when they play at the end of the season. So that's kind of the fun thing. They have this four game series to start the season and then they end the season against each other. But they end the season at the Les Murakami Stadium. So that'll be exciting to see where things end up a few months down the road. Uh, If you guys missed it, you'll be able to listen to it on demand later on this morning. But tomorrow we'll have HBU softball in action. A doubleheader against University of Hawaii Hilo. Uh, Games are scheduled for 12 and 2.30 p.m. Uh, This start... 
our first broadcast and there's not many more that will be at Howard A. Okita Field. So encouraging you guys to come out and check out the Sharks at the very historic and beautiful ballpark that they have out there on the windward side before it's no longer sad face for now. Oh, <laughs> it's just it's such a pretty field. Paul, you need to go out there before the season is done because I think I made my way out once last season. Did you? I think so. I'll I'll have to, you know, we'll we'll go back and check the records, but I think I made it one time. I don't think so. At least it wasn't for us. Because I, I remember I thinking- I haven't worked for anybody else well, out here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, I meant unless you went by yourself. Because <laughs> I remember specifically thinking, like, I don't want you to go to that side with the mode of transportation that you have because it's a bit dangerous. And, you know, what? again, <laughs> Mama Heather, since she's listening, let the record show that she doesn't wear his helmet. So I tell him oh, to wear his helmet. Whoa, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We're throwing me under the bus. Here. <laughs> no, because it's just the road and the pulley. No, no, and, no, you're right, uh, you're so right. that's how I know. I'm like, I know I've never had you go out on that side. But now we'll have a station vehicle pretty soon. So now you will be able to venture off on that side. Oh, uh, you That's right. Well, you've gone to the windward side. I think when, yeah, you caught a ride with me to go over to like we did the Kailua game or whatnot. Stuff like that. But anywho. All right. You guys need to go to uh, to a game just as much as I do. That's, that is the <laughs> that thing is the, that we're taking That is from the this. point from everything. All right. Uh, all right. Okay. Before we continue with our local sports, again, continuing for the rest of the show, one of the uh, breaking NFL news that came out this morning, like pretty much right as we were jumping on air, uh, first thing that we see, kind of, kind of you, you know, check the breaking news. And the NFL announced that the 2024 salary cap – has been raised by $30 million per club. So total 2024 player costs will be $329.4 million per team, $10.5 billion plus league-wide. The money is actually the result of the full repayment of all amounts advanced by the clubs and deferred by the payments during the COVID pandemic, as well as extraordinary increase in media revenue that we've all exactly seen. <laughs> I think that's the other thing as we we always talk about how there are certain things that the NFL does right. Uh, this is the right thing to do in increasing the salary cap considering that, yeah, they both agreed to take kind of like this pay cut, for lack of a better term, during the pandemic. And if you're a player and you see all of these billion, multi-billion dollar deals being sold for the media, you know, media rights, and you're sitting there like, um, hello, we're the ones that put our bodies on the line and create this entertaining product. The NFL is just doing the right thing now and in increasing that salary cap uh, for all of our, our our listeners that are still maybe new to sports. Basically, it's the salary cap is the uh, max that a team can spend on its what it sounds like its salaries for its players. And the higher it is, the more players essentially can get paid which is awesome at the end of the day always a quality thing uh when you know if you're an avid listener to this show that we are avid supporters of get your <laughs> bag uh to any of the players so it, it is really really cool to see it, it's going to be interesting to see how teams go about this year's salary cap you know there are a lot of teams who are 
I don't want to call them in salary cap hell, but they're pretty close. I mean, immediately comes to mind you have the New Orleans Saints who continue to act as if the cap doesn't exist each year. (laughs) At some point, the credit card does have to be paid. You know, the credit card bill comes due. I'm curious, with such an unprecedented leap, $30 million this year from last year, how many teams use this year as that reset? where they can just kind of, well, we spent so much money already, uh, we're not probably not going to be super competitive this year. You know, is this year we reset? Because we were rarely, rarely, mm-hmm. rarely see that in the NFL because it is unlike a few other sports like the NBA or MLB where rebuilds take two, three, four seasons or off seasons. In the NFL, think about how many teams you see go from really, really bad top five, top ten pick right into playoff contention. I.e. Houston Texans. That's exactly where I was going to go was, you know, you look at the Texans where you have two picks at the top of the first round and then you hit on a few auxiliary pieces, you have a great coach, and one year turnaround you go from selecting second overall and really what could have been first overall if not for Lovey Smith's love affair with uh, the city of Chicago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different type of league so I'm curious what teams or what approach teams take as they go into what I I just mentioned an unprecedented leap in salary cap yeah and then you think of teams that opposite of that teams that have a lot of space like the Chicago Bears (laughs) or the Washington Commanders or sorry Paul the New England Patriots and now you give them even more room to figure out how to get better and negotiate different things. And I feel like this will all also come back for our fellow Bears fans to the whole Justin Fields debacle happening in Chicago right now, which people keep asking me about that. Like, oh, how do you feel about Justin Fields? And do you think they're going to trade it? And I've kind of gone with actually Mo from HPU just asked me yesterday. He's like, I know you're a Bears fan. Like, how are you feeling about this whole Justin Fields thing? Like, you know, at this point, I don't even want to waste my energy with it being so far still from the draft. I'm like, I'll start to kind of dive into it and quote unquote worry about it as the draft gets closer. You know, you go through all of these combines, like, is it really going to be Caleb Williams or break me or (laughs) what, you know, and Justin, what, like, if there's a better option, because right now it's just, everyone's just, throwing spaghetti on the wall and you're like everyone just it's more of like a the clickbait era that we're living in so it's like oh this is what they're gonna do or this is a speculation and then of course it's the quiet season justin fields himself doesn't you know make anything better by unfollowing the bears on social media so i'm just like whatever i don't personally i told you guys how i feel speaking of like managing the salary cap i think the risk reward favors the Bears more if they reset and go with a new quarterback. Will that be Caleb Williams? I don't know yet. I want to see, again, when we get closer to the draft and they go through everything and we see all the numbers. Um, Or will it be another one? Either way, whoever it is, I think it's better to just reset because Justin Fields has had a few years now. And the fact that there's still question marks means there's question marks whether he's going to deserve that extension (laughs) that we've seen and we bring it up all the time with Daniel Jones you're like you're gonna pay this guy x amount of money because with that position he's still better than a lot of quarterbacks in the league 
But at the same time, he's not worth the type of money that he's going to command when it comes time to re-sign him. And then next year's quarterback class is not as strong as this year's quarterback class. So are you going to take that chance on Justin Fields that, oh man, next year's quarterback class, we could potentially not even have a player that's close to his level or we just completely reset. You get a fresh three years of not paying a guy and see what happens. The, he could be awful. He could. But I'd but, rather not pay someone to be potentially the same amount of awful. And you go as now that you have all this wiggle room with the salary cap. So I'm still on that belief where I think Justin Fields hasn't done enough to prove that in a year he's going to be worth some massive extension that you're going to have to pay because that's the how much the position commands when you can just reset with one of three, maybe four quarterbacks that are really, really strong in this year's class. It it just makes better financial sense for the Bears to reset because you you set it up pretty perfectly where you talk about how Justin Fields isn't a bad quarterback. This is not by any means an indictment being like, oh, he's terrible, he shouldn't be in the league, blah, blah, blah. I I think he's proven quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. But... The Bears haven't sniffed the playoffs in his three years in Chicago. The Bears, with this $30 million increase, they also have an opportunity to really put forward their best foot into the future. And if you're able to pay the most important position a lot less, and you also mentioned how this year's quarterback class is highly touted by anyone that you talk to. Caleb Williams is going to be the first overall pick. I'll tell you guys this right now. He he will be a Chicago Bear uh, come April. Is that when the draft is, yeah. I think? Uh, he will be a Chicago Bear, and Justin Fields will be traded. That That is the way that things will end up working for the exact reasons that Koo just kind of laid out where you – You give yourself a chance to compete with that rookie-scale contract for a quarterback. And listen, like I just said, if that quarterback isn't good, Justin Fields didn't make the playoffs in the last three years either. You know, there's nothing to show you that you should pay him 40-plus million dollars, take up, I mean, almost a fifth of the salary cap Mm -hmm. to give him uh, generational wealth that kind of handicaps your entire team going forward it's just not good business sense and it, unfortunately for Justin Fields will mark the end of his time in Chicago he'll he has done enough like I mentioned at the yeah. start though he'll get an opportunity somewhere else where that is that's the bigger question at hand does he go to Pittsburgh does he get sent to New England is he going home to Atlanta there there are a lot of options but nonetheless that option I don't think is going to be in Chicago. And I honestly think he'll be just fine if he goes to a new team. I think he'll end up doing better than, say, Mitch Trubisky did going to Pittsburgh. So Because, like, what Paul also said, yes, I firmly believe Justin Fields is a decent quarterback. Like, he's good. He's just not worth the risk. So it all comes down to that risk-reward and taking a chance and your return on investment, all of those, that business side of everything. All right. So taking a look at the mock draft really quick. This one is via the athletic, the Chicago bears, the pick that they got from Carolina. The first overall does have them taking Caleb Williams. Uh, number one, the Washington commanders taking Paul's favorite guy and Drake may quarterback from North Carolina. 
Here is the interesting one. This is a trade. So the Falcons send number eight, number 43, and a 2025 first round pick to the Patriots for the number three overall pick. And they draft Jaden Daniels, quarterback out of LSU. So that would kind of throw things out with the whole Justin Fields being traded to Atlanta. But that's interesting nonetheless. I still prefer the Chicago Bears trading in that spot so that they can get Marvin Harrison Jr. But this is a mock draft anyway. So, but uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. via this athletic uh, mock draft has him going to the Arizona Cardinals. <sighs> that would be horrible. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That franchise is just having its own issues. And I wouldn't want a talent like Marvin Harrison Jr. to be wasted in Arizona. Uh, the LA Chargers, who really are. They're going to be scary next year. Uh, They're projected to take Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU, which would be awesome for Justin Herbert. And, of course, their new coach and Jim Harbaugh shoring up that offense. Uh, The Giants taking Rome Odunze, who we always talk highly about, wide receiver out of Washington. They can definitely use more weapons. Whether or not Daniel Jones will be that much better, (laughs) it's left to be seen. But, nonetheless, I like... Rome as just a player himself. Tennessee Titans at the seven spot taking Joel Alts, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. That one was different from the NFL mock draft, I think we saw. And the Patriots that trade or the that trade scenario pick from Atlanta would be at number eight, would take Olu Fashanu, offensive tackle out of Penn State. Oh, actually. Oh, this would be another trade. Oh, okay. I missed this. So this would also include a trade where the Patriots would send number 68 to the Bears for quarterback Justin Fields. So this would be one of their picks from Atlanta and then also include a trade. So the Patriots would have Justin Fields. Interesting. This is another interesting one because there's been speculation about Russell Wilson. So the Denver Broncos a trade with the Bears at number nine would send 12, 76, and a 2025 fourth round pick to the Bears for number nine, and they would draft J.J. McCarthy, quarterback out of Michigan. I mean, you're going to take a risk. I mean, I don't know. And then we'll see what happens with Russell Wilson. Rounding out the top 10, the New York Jets. <laughs> Taliese Fuanga, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. I saw you. I know we got to take a break, but I saw you making a couple of faces there as I named some of those things, Paul. So what was going through your mind? I just wanted to finish the top 10. So one, Oluf Shanu uh, going to the Patriots is my nightmare. I want him <laughs> to be a Jet so unbelievably bad. Uh, Joe Alt is the the top tackle in this class, in my opinion. I he's a match made in heaven for the Titans, and just rebuilding that offensive line, I think that would be really fun for them. Uh, I hate the idea of Justin Fields in New England because, like I said before, I respect Justin mm-hmm. and I think he's a good quarterback, and I do not want to see him there. Um, and the trade up to nine for. McCarthy for the Broncos makes a lot of sense if you read the tea leaves. Uh, Russell Wilson just put his big old mansion up for sale uh, in Denver. After the end of last season, it seems like that, you know, marriage has run its course and he will be leaving. McCarthy seems very much so like a Sean Payton type guy. And McCarthy, to to his credit, although he is not necessarily my cup of tea at this point, uh, he is a very young prospect. I believe Mm -hmm. he's 20, maybe turning 21. Uh, At the very oldest, he is 21 years old. 
he's shown plenty that his processing is good and we'll we'll see if everything else comes on through it's it is always smarter to bet on younger prospects having time to develop at the NFL level so i i i'm trying to put aside my bias of, of thinking that McCarthy is not a great quarterback to see him in the top 10 because of that room to grow still so those are my faces yeah he would be one of I think J.J. McCarthy definitely has potential, but he would be one of those quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, as I know our, our Michael Escarol says it all the time, and I agree, where he's one that you would hope would be at least sitting out for the Got first city year. Has to sit a year. But like if they get rid of Russell Wilson, who's going to play in front of him? And that's kind of scary because you don't want to throw in a young quarterback like J.J. McCarthy into the, the fire, and then we'll see he could possibly fail or, but now you see other quarterbacks like a Jordan Love who got a chance to sit for a little bit and he's looking great for Green Bay so far so I understand like you mentioned like the Russell Wilson thing is he's pretty much done in Denver but hopefully they figure out a way to bring in a some type of veteran quarterback for at least a season yeah. so that J.J. McCarthy doesn't have to start right away and at least, at least sit out a year and be able to process everything and learn everything and all of that anyways gotta step aside gosh we haven't talked nfl in a while and like we're just gonna keep going uh so we're gonna take a quick break come back and continue the nfl conversation just a little bit more on wake up in the den back to more wake up in the den with kukule agbayani on the hawaii sports radio network 95.1 fm and am 760 It's Wake Up in the Den, Paul Brecht and Kule Akbayani rocking out on this Aloha Friday as we got caught up talking some NFL because it's been a while. <laughs> as we I was, like the NFL. As I was saying earlier, I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'll just wait till we get closer to the draft. And then once we open the can of worms, it's like there just wasn't stopping. It's Pandora's um, box. Yeah. <laughs> but again, we haven't talked about the NFL in a while. And with the, the news today, in case you guys missed it, the NFL announced that the 2024 salary cap has been raised by $30 million per club. Uh, total 2024 player costs will be 329.4 million. Uh, that's 10. That's over 10.5 billion league wide. And the money is the result of the full repayment of all amounts advanced by the clubs and deferred by the players during the COVID pandemic, as well as the crazy increase in media revenue that we've seen. I mean, we just saw. I think it was Amazon paid like over a hundred million dollars for one exclusive post game or post season game. Like that's insane for one single game. But at the same time, we saw that happen with Peacock this past season and all the buzz and increase that it generated for Peacock. So that's kind of what Amazon is doing as well. So all of those things, can you imagine over a hundred million dollars just for one postseason no game. i can't i can't imagine well, and then you're kind of it's almost like you're you're gambling with that right because i think the peacock one was like chiefs who was it it was it was was it the chiefs dolphins might have been the chiefs dolphins so they lucked out where it was a right popular a game. game but then 
you could end up with like a game that nobody really I mean there's always going to be a good handful of people that care but you could end up with a game that every year there is that the one seven, playoff game that everyone's like eh. I almost said seven and nine Oof. Uh, there's that <laughs> eight and nine team yeah. who made the playoffs as a division winner that everybody's like oh my god I can't believe they made it and then they end up winning a first round game wait oh that happened this year with the with the Bucks taking down the Eagles uh, so god, the NFL yeah, so $150 million to stream the NFL game. That's Amazon, or Amazon Prime, to be exact. So um, that's it's a little bit. It's a yeah. little bit of money. Here I was thinking, like, oh, maybe just over, uh, you know, just over $100 million. Nope, $150 million. And you are correct, Paul. It was the uh, AFC wildcard game between the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins that streamed on Peacock. NBC Universal paid $110 million for the rights to that game. Uh, <laughs> and then Amazon is expected to pay close to that $150 million for an exclusive. So that's what it is. I, and I know it, it is unfortunate, right? And we've had this this venting session Paul and I have off the air before where it's like, can we just go back to the beauty days of just getting everything at one place on your cable box? I mean, I'm so ready for cable to make its grand return because <laughs> it just gets irritating. And I can only imagine how frustrating it gets for, you know, a lot of our, our fans that maybe aren't as tech savvy or you know enjoy just having their cable box and there's nothing wrong with that that's how i feel it should be but then if they want that one game and then you're like man do i have to get you know the streaming platform but that's all of the business practice in the butt that's what the streaming platforms are trying to get you to do sign up for at least a month and then they just collect all those fees and at the flip side that's what the NFL is doing to get more money is selling these crazy rights to all of these streaming services and which brings me back to the original point. That's why we see part of the reason why we're seeing this increase in the salary cap is because it's part of that, you know, COVID thing that happened. But also if you're a player and you're the NFL that knows that your players see these big deals that you're signing for the media rights to all these companies, then this is the time to make sure that your players are able to get their cut as well. But that is insane. $150 million just for one single game. And this is on top of, you know, Amazon, like already having their Thursday night football thing. But then we know YouTube TV has their NFL package thing. And it's like, <sighs> I'm ready for cable plus to come back. <laughs> uh, are we just... too far gone though? So I worry about that. Like on a totally real note, I worry about that from time to time. If we're, at least on the television side, we've gone too far gone uh, to the point where it needs to come crashing down before we see something that is as consumer friendly as we were just talking about. And, and I think that we're just kind of seeing that through a lot of different sports. Uh, I had some frustration with the NBA All-Stars, uh, you know, almost holding the game hostage. There was a, a rumor that they were holding the game hostage this year because they wanted more compensation they wanted to be paid to to make the game competitive and it, it seems that we're seeing that all throughout whether it's players whether it's owners whether it or governors pardon me or or it's you know the media rights people um i worry that we're too far gone at times um which is why i actually really love radio 
because mm-hmm. radio as much as you you can sit here and say how time has passed it by uh, life moves in cycles where everything has its use um even if it doesn't have its use now it will and it's in the future i feel a lot of times Mm -hmm. why it's kind of cool to see radio in some ways or radio or at least audio versions of things making a comeback because i mean at some point people get sick of signing up with the same email for 16 different streaming services so they can watch their team play on a monday tuesday thursday saturday and it's like well okay now i have all of this and I have to cancel it after three months mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's an interesting dichotomy of where we have gone and if we have gone too far to the point where perhaps we have made a grave, grave error in our consumption what? of sports. Hey, you bring up a good point. Maybe it potentially has been helping or can help our industry you know i mean like at least sports talk radio and sports radio can never truly be like disappear like unfortunately like music because people can listen to what they want to listen to now but sports you typically want to get it in real time live every day you want to get it like consume it all the time and yeah like you said it refreshes the news cycle refreshes every single time if you're you know wanting to know the result of a game because I'm the type that I will not DVR and watch a replayed game. Like, I will want to know the result and I'll watch the highlights. Like, I know other people do that and there's nothing wrong with it, but I've always just wanted to either watch, listen to it live, or I'll watch highlights. I can, I just... If I know the result, it's not the same. It just isn't the same if I know the result because it takes the anxiety out of it. Well, and that's the thing is... I'm not going to sit here and like if I miss a Knicks game, I'm not going to sit here and wait until you know you late at it. night and when I get home. I respect the living daylights out of my dad because growing up, that's something my dad would do where he'd be late getting home for a Jets game and he would TiVo it, he'd record yeah. it, and he'd start it over. He wouldn't check his phone. He'd turn off all the updates. He like I'd be home waiting for him to get back watching the game, and when he'd get back, he's like, "Nothing. Don't say. Don't say anything." <laughs> Because he'd always get back in like the middle of the second quarter or whatever. But it was like, it was that because he wanted to experience the emotions of the game live in that moment, not knowing the results yet. And that's part of what makes sports so great. Yeah. And that's part of what makes those streaming services and what makes those rights, the media rights, so, so valuable. Because like we're saying, people want things live in action when they're seeing it bunch of masochists <laughs> oh my god dude oh my sports god sports fans us sports fans are just like the worst because <laughs> we're the the more you're talking about like you know the anxiety i was like yeah i almost love having that anxiety like you know as much as i joke not seeing the bears in the playoffs like well at least i'm not stressing i'm like but i want to stress i miss that feeling of when the cubs were in the playoffs and went to the world series and give stakes. me more <laughs> give it's me the more stakes it's what makes it fun it, yeah. it is what is on the line? It's why we play. It's why we watch. It's why we care. It's it's a lot of fun. And you're so right. We're a bunch of mess Because <laughs> we enjoy it. We thrive oh, off of it. Because I mean, most times it's painful. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from experience of the, as we were talking about the NFL. All right. Anyways, got to step aside. Oh, my gosh. We just keep we just rocking and rolling today. All right. <laughs> Got to take a break. We'll be back to talk some University of Hawaii men's and women's basketball next on Wake Up in the Den.
Wake Up in the Den with Kuhule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Hey, where do we go? Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Friday. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Well, this and every weekday morning on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and listening to everything else that we have going on, just like our HPU men's, HPU men's baseball, HPU baseball. I mean, it is men's baseball, to <laughs> I, be fair. Yeah, but... I feel like people kind of know baseball, softball. But hey, anyways. to be fair, there there is an uh, an influx of women going into baseball, especially at MLB level right now. We're seeing some coaches. We've had uh, there was a French young woman uh, a few years but back. But see, then that more so reiterates the point that we shouldn't say men's baseball. It should just be baseball. I, I agree. <laughs> That's why I kind of flubbed there. I was like, oh wait, why am I? Anyways, anywho. Thank you for track. listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's Friday. Things let's get weird. Everything just happens. Uh, yeah. So we'll have baseball. We had baseball last night. We'll have softball tomorrow. But I want to go over to the University of Hawaii side as we would talk men's and women's basketball. The men's basketball team is in action. Well, both teams are in action tomorrow. But the men play at home at the Simplify Arena at Staten Sheriff Center, hosting. Long Beach State, who is currently fourth in the Big West Conference, and Hawaii sitting at six. So Long Beach State at ten and five. Uh, the Beach took the game earlier this season and won seventy nine seventy one. Still, still a close one back in January. UH is coming off of a road split and had its three game win streak snapped with that tight seventy seven to seventy one loss at UC Santa Barbara in the most recent time, which was last week Saturday. Fortunately for both the men's and women's team, they had the bye yesterday. So, hey, Long Beach still had to play yesterday. Now they're coming on over, making the long haul to Hawaii. Nonetheless, the last few stretch of games, very, very important. Also, tomorrow is anime night, which I was really curious about. So um, I guess they'll we'll find out what your favorite Rainbow Warrior basketball players will look like as anime characters uh, at anime night tomorrow, Raising Canes will sponsor the game and distribute 200 keychain lanyards inside gate A. Fans can expect a few surprises regarding prizes and potential giveaways in honor of anime night. So it'll be fun, exciting to see. But just taking a look at the matchup itself, we talk about how Hawaii, the men's side, has seemed to start to figure it out earlier in the week. We had mentioned Jovan McClanahan since he has been out for the last few games where someone like him could have really helped the Bows potentially win that game at UC Santa Barbara because he has been a little inconsistent this season. But a lot of times Jovan has proven that he is ready and capable to kind of step up and take over the game when the game is on the line and down the stretch. So that's kind of the piece that you're missing in a player like Jovan McClanahan and uh, hopefully we see him return sometime soon, definitely before the tournament comes about because you want to go into it extremely healthy. We kind of heard that also from head coach of the women's side, Laura Beeman, uh, hoping her squad is ready to go and remains healthy and they are at their peak heading into the tournament. But uh, matchup wise, this is 
the struggle that Hawaii has had because Long Beach State is one of those longer teams that Hawaii tends to struggle with. And now we don't have more SEC that can go in there. But it's good to see a lot of these other players step up, including your Tom Beatties and your Ryan Rapp. I didn't realize Tom Beattie was still a baby. Like, <laughs> I because that media veil, I thought Akira was the youngest, but I guess Tom is younger. I don't I don't know birthdays, but I know both of them are very much so babies. Yeah. Um, like I which was... is very funny because neither of them oh, strike you humongous. that way. Yeah. Uh, but both of them very, 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 very young. Well, no, with Tom, he's very like Akira when he plays, he's getting a lot more comfortable and a lot better and more confident. But Tom Beatty kind of started right away with that confidence. So I thought he was a little older. But when I listened back to that media availability and someone brought up uh, their age and I I want to say I got to now now it's going to bother me and I got to go back and listen that uh, he was he said that he was the youngest person on the team. And I'm like, oh, this whole time I thought it was Akira Jacobs. But to think that Tom is that much younger and how much better he could potentially get and add to this men's basketball squad got it. Don't get me wrong, got to close out this season, but just what he's shown so far day in and day out. And and he he brought up being motivated by seeing, you know, Ryan Rapp have the type of year that he's been having. But of course, Ryan is a little bit older. He was here last season, didn't get really any playing time. And now this season, he's been able to step up for this team. But then, yeah, you look at someone like Tom Beatty, who is the youngest player on the team and all that we've seen him do so far and I think that's important for like us as the media and also as fans to realize like oh man we still have just because we're losing a bunch of key players this year and a bunch of mature players there is a lot of potential to still maintain this success because you have a lot of these young players that are only getting better throughout the season and they'll come back next season. And then we'll add, obviously, a lot more players as well. I'm really excited for the future of men's basketball because of players like Tom Beatty, because of players like Akita Jacobs. And similar to why after last season, a lot of fans were like, oh, really excited to see what more has in store for us in his sophomore season. It's that type of excitement where you get a taste of that potential. We've seen Tom Beatty. He's a big guard. Like he is, he's mm-hmm. a big, strong guard as a freshman. He's only going to get bigger, faster, stronger. He was holding his own on some defensive possessions against AJ Mitchell when they did end up falling. And I, I was impressed in a lot of different ways. I know a lot of times we focus on the offensive end of the court, and that is somewhere where Tom has gotten far, far better as well, where he's always had that ability to finish and he's gotten better through the year finishing with each hand. But I've also been impressed with the fluidity of his jump shot, how mm-hmm. his confidence has gotten better with his jumper as well. Saw him knock down a couple of threes in the loss against UC Santa Barbara. So that's something that if that can continue to go and, and get even better and better and better, I sit here and think about how Think about how important it is when the guards that currently get the Lions share the minutes for the Bows, it is for them when their outside shot is going, when a Javon, when Juan, mm-hmm. when Noel, when all of them can kind of get that jumper going from outside, it opens things up inside. And all of them, with all due respect to them, because they're all taller than me, or at least my the same size, <laughs> all of them are short guards. You know, Noel, six foot two, Javon, 
five ten, one, six foot ish. Like all of all of them as short guards. I would be a short guard to everybody. It's okay. Um Tom's not. Tom is not that. Tom is a guy who, similar to Ryan Rapp, can play out on the wing as well because of his size. Mm-hmm. But he's got that guard skill. He's got those guard experiences, and it makes it fun going forward where, you know, your backcourt gets a lot bigger all of a sudden next year where you add an Aaron Hunkin Clater who is six foot three and a good defender. You have a Tom Beatty at six foot five, and suddenly your backcourt goes from, you know, a six foot and six foot two guy to six three and six five with big long wingspans. And it's fun to think about the future. But it's also fun to see that the future is kind of now. Tom Beatty has started to come into his own now. And mm-hmm. if Hawaii can continue this stretch, I know they just fell, but they've really started to get into a groove as the second half of the conference stretch has gone on. If that continues into the Big West tournament, all of a sudden you're talking about uh, a guy who can help lead a miracle run into NC2As, and that'd be extremely fun and extremely encouraging for Bo's fans going into the future, seeing guys like Tom, seeing guys like Akira, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so tomorrow will be a good, like, nice test for this Rainbow Warrior squad again, like, hopefully to prove that, all right, they weren't able to close out that game against or at UC Santa Barbara, but we're on that three-game win streak in which they grinded out quite a few wins, including that overtime win at U- or versus UC San Diego, 94-86. Long Beach State, another one, another one always on the list. So five more games left in the Big West Conference, including tomorrow, 7 o'clock p.m. at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. And then the women, uh, they play on the road at Long Beach State, 1 o'clock p.m. Hawaii time is the game time. You can watch it on Spectrum Sports Net. All right, got to take our last break, but we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Ogbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. It's Wake Up in the Den. Paul Brecht and Kule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Hope you guys are moving your bodies around a little bit. Woo! Taking you through the weekend. Happy Aloha Friday. Uh, we were talking about UH basketball. Just want to make a real quick mention of our friends over at HPU. Jesse Nakanishi and company coming up with a win on the road. As they like to do. A close win. <laughs> That's kind of been their MO this season. But nonetheless, a win is a win. <laughs> Getting a 70-67 to 67 win at Azusa Pacific. Maintaining uh, their number three spot in the PacWest Conference. Sitting just behind RU and Point Loma at 12-5. and five, And then Biola and University of Hawaii Hilo are just behind them. With only a few games left to go in the season. So they play another road game at Biola to cap off their extremely long road trip that they've been on the road since February 17th. Come back home to play Chaminade next week, Thursday in the Shark Tank, which we will be in attendance and you can listen to it on the radio here or you can, you know, join us at the Shark Tank because it is their senior night. And then they close out the season at University of Hawaii Hilo on March 2nd before 
heading out to the PacWest Conference Tournament for the first time since 2017. First time since I was in high school. Yeah. Super Paul fun Paul likes stuff. to throw his, uh, you know, birth certificate at us. Sorry, people. I do. I, I <laughs> love sending that stuff. And it, it was awesome, though, to to see another awesome game from Jesse Nakanishi's squad. Their first win at APU, I believe, in eight years. Yep. And uh, it's everything clicking for the Sharks at the right time. Matthew Van Komen, we talked a little bit about how he missed seven-game stretch right in the middle of the season. Now looking like he's hitting his groove right at the right time at 14 points, a season-high 16 rebounds last night, most rebounds in a game uh, in two years for the Sharks since Trey Miller had tw- or had 17 back in November of 2021. So nice to see him, Melo Sanchez, continuing what has been an awesome year for him. He's mm-hmm. top 10 in the PacWest and scoring and just the accolades, you can go down the list for HPU men's basketball this season under the tutelage and the leadership of coach Jesse Nakanishi the first year under the helm or at the helm, I should say, for Nakanishi and uh, just has been really, really fun to see a great group of guys who... uh, have given back a lot to the community this year, have a lot of success on the court as well. Hope that they get a lot of support at senior night just to kind of reciprocate that love they've shown to the community thus far this season uh, in their final home game this year. And you guys are more than welcome to join us. I want to close it out with some of the other things. that So University of Hawaii, also just packed this weekend. You got men's volleyball tonight. You got baseball uh, hosting the number 13th ranked team in the country at with this NC State. So those of you going out to, you know, lower campus in Manoa, be sure to plan accordingly. And over the weekend, they will have the University of Hawaii spring game on Sunday. So game time is at 5 o'clock p.m. at the Ching Complex. Free admission. You'll just have to pay for parking. And I can't believe we almost forgot to tell everyone the news. Uh, I'm glad I circled back to University of Hawaii football because Jeremiah White, who we mentioned recently, who was our Yayu player of the game in the Division II OIA Boys Basketball Championship. Uh, we talked about on Monday show how he is a football player who, you know, who is just really athletic. And a lot of these football guys like to play basketball. We've seen it all across the state. But Jeremiah White is more of a football player and a wide receiver for Kaimuki and posted via his social media yesterday that he announced his commitment to stay home and play for the University of Hawaii. So we saw that come through and we're like, yeah, you, let's get it. I was really excited about it. Super nice kid, really, really down to earth, Mm -hmm. really, really humble and a really, really hard worker. Uh, We talked a little bit about it, I think off air during the broadcast uh, about him not signing during the the first wave of football commitments and the, the a little bit of confusion about why he hadn't gotten more love from division one schools. And I, I was the one who ended up seeing it and sent it in our group chat first. And I, I was super excited about it just for the matter of feels like another one of those players that is going to end up at the university of Hawaii and really become a fan favorite really, really quickly just because of their work ethic. Uh, I'm excited about it. We want to send our congratulations out to Jeremiah and his family because it's super, super awesome 
achievement to continue your athletic career and academic career at the uh, next level and especially to do it at the home school, baby. Mm -hmm. Let's go, Bohos. And you know what? Never say never because we've had a couple of football players that have at the University of Hawaii that have played on the basketball squad. So never count it out that he could potentially do the same. Hey, I mean, we need uh, a replacement for Beyon still. Remember Ooh, the, that's uh, true. the effort that... We need the enforcer. Exactly. And then Jeremiah, I watched him play. He's, uh, he's a guy who's going to hustle all over the floor. That non-egotistical, good, big-time leader. Yeah, let's toss him out on the gridiron and the hardwood. Why not? Yeah. Nonetheless, Kaimuki and Jeremiah White have to take care of business in the uh, state semifinals today in Division Two, playing the defending state champs in Kohala and then on the other side they it was University and Seabury you heard it with AC giving the updates uh, St. Louis and Kala Hale is in one semifinal in for division one along with Lelehua and Punahou so a lot of stuff going on this weekend we'll definitely recap it on Monday but we got to go for Paul Brecht I'm Kool-Aid bye